Come on. Before I get into my message this morning, uh, there's just a few people that the Lord put on my heart. I want to pray for you guys. Uh, first, I want to pray for Grace. Grace Huffman, can you come on up here? As, as we were in worship, you may notice that I have a tendency to look around. Fred, come on up behind her. Stand right there just for a moment. As, as we're in worship, you may, have, may have, you, may have, you may notice that I have a tendency to look around. That's because God's speaking to me. And God begins to put certain things on my heart for certain people. And so uh, God began that this morning before worship even began. Actually, I'll get there in a minute. But anyways, as the, the Spirit continues to move, I continue to be sensitive to what He's doing. And I want to know, I want to I I work with God. I don't ever want to work against God. And so as the Spirit moves, we make room for the Spirit to move. And so uh, it was before worship even began, I walked into the church and I walked over to download my keynote and Grace looked at me and God, God wants to honor you this morning. God, the only reason you're here is, is that God's going to honor you this morning. Friday I was here. I'm just going to tell a little story because it's part of the honoring. I, I was here on Friday because I had to meet the, uh, the heating guy to replace the fan motor in one of the units. And so he was supposed to show up at 8. He didn't show up until 11.15. It's fine. And so I didn't bring lunch. So I called Mocha's and I ordered lunch and I ran over to pick it up. And as I walked in, I came in the back door and I, as I walked in, you know, the counter's kind of high there. And so as I walk past the counter, and then all of a sudden, Grace is there at the register. And I wasn't shocked because she was there. But I think she could see the look of shock in my face because she said to me, she explained why she's there. She said, it's spring break. Spring break. I'm off from school. It's spring break, right? I know she goes to school. And so there, was, there must have been this look of shock in my face. But it wasn't that she was there. It was what I saw in her eyes. And when I came in this morning and I was downloading my sermon, it was the same look in her eyes. There was something in your eyes. It is the glory of God. There is just the presence of God in you, and it emanates out through you, through your eyes. There is just something that you are radiating off. There is something that you are giving off in the spiritual realm, and it comes right out your eyes. And as we, the eyes are the window to the soul, and there is just something special about you. I don't know exactly what your prayer life's like. I don't know exactly how much you're reading. I, I don't keep track of everyone that much, but you're doing something that's pleasing to the Lord, and the Holy Spirit is with you. He is with you in a tangible sense, and you just being there brings the presence of God. It is in you. It is all around you, and you are just flowing in it. So whatever you're doing, just keep on doing it. Keep on pressing into God. You're about to apprehend him in such a way that explosions will take place. There will be ramifications of your continued uh, seeking of him. The Lord just wants to bless you and honor you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray that you continue to pour your spirit into grace in a strong way, in a strong way. God, that in the spiritual realm, God, you would go beyond her natural and that you would do things in the spiritual, Lord. In, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I got to reread re, re what I wrote. Allison, the Lord is giving you 
new authority in the spiritual realm. You are entering into new authority in the spiritual realm in prayer and in intercession. God has given you new keys to unlock things. And he actually, I believe he actually even wants to train you more in this area. So don't be surprised if something changes so that you can actually make it to Wednesday morning prayer with Linda. Because God wants to train you like that. That when you pray, hell shakes. That when you pray, hell shudders. And your voice that you've used on the radio before, you'll be put back on the radio again, but this time it's to pray. It's going to go out across the airwaves that you pray. And your prayers, the prayers that you pray, will break things in the spiritual realm. You're in a, you're in a period of training. You're in a, you're in a wilderness season. God brings us into the wilderness to prepare us. God's got you in this wilderness place simply to prepare you for what's coming because what's coming is extraordinary. It's awesome. It's awesome. It's awesome. Amen. Zach and Lexi, as I was just walking by this morning and you guys were sitting there, the Lord just spoke to me and said, he's going to call you guys out of the ordinary and into the extraordinary. So wherever you've been in the spiritual realm, God's about to expand that as you seek him, as you embrace with him. He's going to do things in your lives that you never thought he would do, that you never thought that you could do, and you can't. It's him in you doing it. And so get ready for something that you never thought that you could do because we can do all things through Christ. Don't limit yourself by what you think you can do. <laughs> His gifts make opportunity for us to do everything, anything, whatever he's called us to. And he's called you to something great, extraordinary, extraordinary, beyond the normal, Honey, come on up. Stacy's got a, a, a word. I want her to give that. Who's got the mic? This has just been building over the last couple of weeks. And um, Bob, this is, I've just, as I've heard you through worship, um, there has been this thing every time your voice has been highlighted um, in my ears and there's such a strength that there's literally, as I hear your voice, it's been getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And I'm like, is he singing louder? Like, what's going on? And the Lord said, no, he is commanding things. And that as he prays, as he worships, things are literally breaking in the natural. Things are breaking. There is such power and authority that there's... It's like somehow you didn't know the power and authority you have, and God is awakening that in you. And as it gets awakened, um, I feel like the enemy is frustrated because he's been trying to convince you that you don't have authority, but you have authority. And so you may be quiet in demeanor. There is a strength that you have, and I feel like God is calling you out, and you are going to be an example to men that it's not that you have to be this overpowering person, but there is a strength, a quiet strength in you. But things move 
when you speak. Things move when you pray. Things move when you praise. Come on. And the enemy shudders as you verbalize those things. And I, I feel like you are going to be a trainer of men. I really feel like people, men are going to look to you as strength in what that looks like in the earthly, in the natural. And so whatever you're doing, I just see you like continuing over your home, over Marianne, just speaking those things. And so be encouraged. Um, things are moving and God is pleased with you. Amen. Amen. Shirley, watching online with us on Facebook, Shirley, I just feel that the Lord wants to uh, bring you into a new realm in the spiritual. He wants to train you in new things uh, in the spiritual realm, in the spiritual dimension. He wants to bring you to a place where you understand the things of the Spirit in a greater way. There's things in the natural that we do, but then there's things in the Spirit that we we do, and God wants to let you know, God wants to train you in those spiritual dimensions of Christianity. And so God's just going to bring you to this place where, I'm not sure what that means, but God's going to bring you to this place where you're going to be trained in the spiritual. Trained in the spiritual. Amen. Amen. Anybody else want a word this morning? Lift your hands. Come on. Spirit's here. God's doing something. Jesus, just wait. Just wait on him. Jesus. Danielle, I really feel like uh, the Lord just wants to draw you into a season where uh, he draws you, you draw away with him in the secret place. You are, a, I, I know you, you are a solid gold Christian. You will work yourself to the bone. You will work yourself dead dog tired. You will work for the kingdom like I don't know anybody that would work for the kingdom the way you work for the kingdom. But the Lord wants to bring you into a place, into a secret place with him. In, in the working, you, in the working, we can get to a place where we forget about the secret place. And you've not done that. You've not forgotten about it, but you've been busy. All of, all of, the, all of everything that's been going on in your life, and I don't need to list it. You know, and I know, and some others may know, but all of everything that's been going on in your life, you've been busy. And God is going to bring you into a season where you have time to spend with him in the secret place. And that is what he wants from you for this next period of time. 
It's what he wants. Because there's something greater. But in order to enter into what's greater, you've got to spend that time. Can't come without the time. That's, that's the next season of what I see in your life. Be ready for that. Be on the lookout for that. Try and make time for that. As busy as you are. Love you guys. Jesus. Lillian's parents, I don't know your names. I just get this sense that God wants to bring healing. And I don't know what that means. I don't know what, I don't know what happened. I just get, I, every time I look at you, I just get this sense that God wants to bring healing. And I'm going to stop the, the prophetic for a moment. I want to I speak to everyone that's listening right now because just because someone needs healing doesn't mean that they have unforgiveness. Okay? If someone comes and stabs me with a knife, I can forgive them, but I still have a wound and I'm still bleeding. Jesus forgave those people who put him on the cross, and yet he still suffered the consequences of the cross. He still died because of their actions. He forgave them. It didn't heal him. It didn't, it didn't eliminate what had happened. There was still a wound. He still, there was still death. And so I don't know what happened. Something happened. We don't need to know what happened. But God's bringing healing. God wants to bring healing, and he wants to bring full restoration, healing. Let's just pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we pray for the healing power of God to flow upon Lillian's parents. You told me your names, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm just focused on the word. God, Bless them, Lord. Bring healing in Jesus' name. Healing in Jesus' name. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I just see you, I just see you with this big sword, right? It's way too big for you to lift, but you've got it. And it's the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And so you've got this sword in the in the spiritual realm, right? And so anybody looking at you would think, like, there's no way she can swing that thing. It's way too big. But it's not a natural sword, it's the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And you're just wielding the thing, swinging it left and right. All the awesome moves that nobody knows how to do. You're a warrior. You're a warrior. Fight. Come on. Jesus.
Amen. 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 Listen, I don't want to keep going in the natural and just have it be about me. So, thank you. Amen. It's got good. Come on, let's give him a shout and a clap. Jesus, you're good. Jesus, you're awesome. God is good. Amen. Amen. As, as we are here today, as I, even as I preach, even as we share the word, just continue to be sensitive to the spirit. Continue to engage God in the spiritual, in the spiritual realm because although I don't have a word right now, that doesn't mean God won't give another one. And so just continue to be engaged. Continue to be engaged with God. Continue to be engaged. Even as we engage with the word that's spoken this morning, the spirit of God will move. The spirit of God will flow. Hey, whew, here's the new series. We're here. The church, church, this is the way. And so what's the, brain, what's the brainstorm behind this, this sermon series? We should all be going to church, but why? Why should we be going to church? Because this is the way. And so this is what we're going to talk about over the next coming weeks. Why should we go to church. And so there's a few different reasons why I wanted to bring this message today. Number one, I want all of you to be aware of why we come to church every single Sunday, right? It's not just so that we can see one another, although that's fun. There's many reasons why. We're going to talk about a few of those. And so why do we come to church every single week? There's another reason why I want to bring this message, because I know that all of you Christians that come to Redeeming Love Know someone who's a Christian who says, well, I don't have to go to church. Right? We all know somebody like this. I know God. I don't have to go to church. Wrong. 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 We all need to be in church. We all need to go to church. Why, are, why is the nation of America in the predicament that we're in? Because we don't go to church. I don't know the exact number. Something like 80, 85% of Americans consider themselves Christians. But in reality, less than 25% of Americans actually attend church regularly. And fewer than that attend church weekly. Why are we in the state that we are in? Because although we as Americans may proclaim that we are Christians, we've forgotten God and we've, we've stopped going to church and there is a moral unraveling of the nation that we've not seen in all of our history. And America, listen, America cannot survive the unraveling of the morality. We cannot survive it as a nation. The founders who wrote the Constitution stated that the Constitution was only good for a moral and an upright people. And when we cease to be that, America will cease to exist as we know it. So I don't share what I share just so that we can get more people to come to church. We, I share what I share because I want to save America. 
I want people to be saved and be going to heaven, and I want America to stay uh, or to come back even better than it was, even better than it is now. And the way that we do that is to get more people to follow after God. It is the only solution. So there's a lot of benefits to going to church. What happens if I don't go to church? I recently read an article, um, and it talked about quarantine, and the article said that uh, the, the number one person who made it through quarantine the best is the person who weekly attended church. Obviously, the source, right? You're biased because it's you know Christian organization. I don't remember who the source was, but they, they, they questioned weekly attenders, regular attenders, which would be defined as once a month, uh, you know, rare attenders, people who believe they're Christians but don't go to church, people who don't believe they're Christians, you know, people who believe they're atheists, and every other aspect that they could think of, they question. And the people who made it through quarantine the best were the people who attended church weekly. Weekly. And it wasn't a little bit better. They went through it a lot better. And so coming to church every single week prepares us for what's coming even if we don't know what's coming. Amen? Amen. All right, so let's look at some of the reasons why we should come to church, some of the benefits that we receive in coming to church. Number one, presence of God. The presence of God poured out in a, in a, in a greater dimension than what we can receive on our own. Now, that's not to say that we can't experience the presence of God on our own. And we do, and we should, and some of the best times that we will ever experience in the presence of God are the times that we spend alone in the secret place. So that would be some of the most powerful moments that you'll ever experience in the presence of God. But when we corporately come together, there is a difference in the expression of the presence of God that we need as Christians. Look at Acts 2 in the upper room. I'm going to preach on a couple of these, and I'm going to skip a couple of these because a couple of these are later messages, and, and we'll, we'll touch on that. Look at Acts chapter 2. They were all together, and they were all in one place. And it was in that moment when they were together corporately that the Holy Spirit was poured out on flesh for the first time. They spoke with other tongues. Cloven, cloven fire, fire rested on each one of them. Miracle signs and wonders were done. Why? Because they were corporately together. They were in one place. They were in one accord. They were together. They were having church. We wouldn't define it. I mean, they didn't say, hey, we're going to church. They were in the upper room. They were praying. They were doing church. Number two, increased resources. And so this isn't just about the fact that as we gather together as a body of believers, you know, we all give and then we take that those funds and, and help the poor and help the needy and help in different situations and in different ways, ministries, missionaries, and things like this. We do all that. That's not, that's not even what I'm talking about. But there are increased resources when we come to church. When we come to church, we can make, we have the opportunity to receive from other people's gifts. The gift of prophecy. If you're not part of a church, it's very difficult. If you don't come to church, whether it's in person or online, if you don't come to church, you can't receive that gift. If you, don't, if you come to church, 
you can get prayed for. As a matter of fact, we have this thing. It's called an engage card. And we ask people to write their prayer requests on here. And here's the funny thing is that when you write your prayer request on here, we pray for them. It, it's, it's kind of a novel idea. The intercessors pray for them. Guys, we've seen answers to prayers because things that have been written on this engage card. People come to Christ because of what's written on this engage card. The intercessors can pray and win a battle in the spiritual realm that you can't win on your own. This is increased resources. We come to church and we can get help or give help. That's next week's message. I'm not even going to get into that too much. We can get help or we can give help. We should either be at one of two points. We should either be receiving help or we should be giving help. There's no other place where you should rest. If you don't need help, then find someone to help. All right, I'm going to preach a little bit. Keep looking at me. We all need help. This is just a teaser for next week. We all need help at some point in our life. And as soon as we've received help and we make it over the hump, go help someone else. How many of us got here on our own? Not one hand. No one. No one does it on their own. We all need someone. We all need someone to come alongside of us, to rally alongside of us. For many of us, family might do that. For those of us who don't have family, the church does that. The church is the family of God, and we want to help one another. We want to rally around one another. We need help, and we need to help. Come on. That's good. We come to church because we can encourage others and we can be encouraged. Obviously, we could just throw this under help, but it bears enough necessity for it to be mentioned separately. We need encouragement. We need encouragement. We all need encouragement. Listen, I'm probably one of the most self-assured people that I know. I need encouragement, and I receive it from the body of Christ. I receive it from you guys and from others. Number five, accountability. Ah, ah, oh, I like that. Ah, yeah. We come to a church for accountability. We should make ourselves accountable one to another. Confess your sins one to another. How do we? Why? Because someone's got to hold your feet to the fire. You share with somebody, and then the next week they're like, hey, how's that going? How are you doing with that? How are you? But, but if we don't tell anybody, then nobody knows. And then it's secret sin. We all need accountability. And it goes beyond sin. We need accountability. I, I'm, trying this, I'm trying this new venture. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to start praying for the sick. And you come back next week, how's it going? We need accountability. I'm going to start witnessing. How's that going? It's going miserably. I've, I, w I went out yesterday to Albany. I, I preached to 100 people, and no one even wanted to listen to me. People were walking away from me. One guy spit on me. 
This is accountability. You know what? You may not have had any luck this time, but you go at it again. I believe that that's God's gift for you. You go do it again. You go pray again. You didn't see healings? You go pray for more sick people. Someone died when you prayed for them? Go pray for more sick people. Don't take no for an answer. Don't take no for an answer. We need accountability. Both ends of the spectrum. Number six, safety in doctrine and theology. You know, I read something in the Word, and it, is, and it says this. That's not what it says. Go back and read it in context. That's not what it says. There's safety in doctrine and theology. We'll see this in the Word in a moment. And so we come together and we share things that we're reading in the Word, and there's safety there. Pastor Steve's got his doctorate. If you get off a little bit, I'll send Pastor Steve in. He can straighten you out. Just kidding. <laughs> Glory to God. Glory to God. Oh, boy. Number, what are we on? Number seven. Number seven. And this is great. Everybody should want to come to church just for this one reason. You can reap a benefit that you have not worked for. Oh, come on. This is what it means. Come on. This is what it means to be part of the family of God. You reap a benefit that you haven't worked for. This is fantastic. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Is this biblical? Yes. I'm going to read you a scripture. It's not even in my notes. Numbers chapter 11. Verse 24. Sometimes we can reap a benefit simply because we belong. Simply because we belong. The disciples did. They hung out with Jesus, and what happened? They got, they got filled with the Holy Ghost. Why? Because they had hung around with Jesus for so long. They, they, were, they were taught everything that they needed to know. They were, they were given the power to heal. All of this stuff happened. Why? Because they hung around Jesus. They became part of his little beginning community. And it grew from there. Check this out. Numbers 11, verse 24. If you want to read along, if not, you can just listen. It says, So Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord, and he gathered the 70 men of the elders of the people and placed them around the tabernacle. Then the Lord, so he had told the elders to come. And here, I want to fill you in on the story because I'm only reading a portion of it. He told the elders to come. We have to know going in, there's 72 elders. It says 70 came. It means that there were two that were not there. And he gathered the 70 men of the elders of the people, and he placed them around the tabernacle. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him and took the Spirit of God that was on Moses and placed the same upon the 70 elders. And when it happened, when the Spirit rested upon them, that the elders prophesied, although they never did so again. So God pours out the Spirit on the elders, and they prophesy one time in their life. They've never done it before. They'll never do it again. But watch. But two men had remained in camp, and the name of one was Eldad, and the name of the other was Medad, and the Spirit rested upon them. Now they were among those listed, they were invited to go. They were the 72 elders, but two of them didn't go. They were among those listed, but who had not gone out to the tabernacle. Yet they prophesied in the camp. 
And a young man ran and told Moses and said, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. So Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, one of the choice men, answered and said, Moses, my Lord, forbid them. Then Moses said, are you zealous for my sake? Oh, that the Lord's people were, oh, that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. And Moses returned to the camp and the elders of Israel. So here's what happens. Here's the 72, right? They're this group of people that are set aside. They're the elders. They're the church within a church. And God calls them out to the tabernacle. 70 of them show up. Two of them stay back, right? How many of us are here today? We all showed up. There's seven people. Somebody's at work today. They couldn't make it. And so the Spirit of God falls at redeeming love. And everyone here prophesies. And at the same time, Someone who couldn't make it is at work, and they start prophesying. Wow, that's going to be an exciting work day. <laughs> Bob, are you okay? What's going on? These guys didn't even show up, and they got the benefit. They got the gift poured out on them. And so many times, us, for us as a church, these things happen. These things can happen. We can walk in these things. We can walk in benefits that we haven't worked for. I got a... I, I was, okay, well, number eight, there's an eighth one. I didn't put it up there. I thought about this afterwards. I just added it to my notes. I really didn't have room on the slide. If I had put it up there, we would have shrank everything down. You wouldn't be able to. The eighth one is you receive gifts by association. This is real. So... We receive gifts. By being part of a church, we receive gifts by association. There were five people who killed giants in the Bible. One was David. The other four all knew David. They all hung around David. And so because David was a giant killer, these other four guys that hung around him, they became giant killers too. So what does it mean, so what does it mean when you become part of a church? It means that whatever that church is, is what you're very likely to become. And so what does this look like in the natural? It looks like the email that I just got, I don't know, last week, week before. Lady sends me an email and says, I was sitting at Mocha Blend, and I experienced joy that I have never experienced before in my life. <laughs> Why is that? Because you're sitting in the church with the joy pastor. There's joy, unspeakable joy. Listen, I've talked to people here on the regular, and they're like, man, I'm just yeah, overwhelmed with joy. Of course you are. Of course you are. Come on. You had a church that makes people grumble. You need to get here. Only, only kidding. I don't want to steal people from other churches. And if you like the grumbling, stay with your grumbling. But what happened? How did that happen? How did this happen? It's gifting by association. I was talking recently about my experience, about how I came to become uh, filled with so much joy. And it's been a 30-year process that we've been I've been walking out. God gave me the scripture, consider it pure joy when you come into various trials. And as I walk through the trials of my life, which were many, 
which are daily, which still continue to this day, actually, although whether I see them or not, a lot of times I just stop seeing the trial. I walk through difficult times and I pay no attention to them because the things of this world are not worthy to be compared with the things that will be revealed in us. Come on. And so we come to this place of joy. My wife at one point said, and I'm going to quote her, said, I feel like Eeyore next to Tigger sometimes. <laughs> her own confession. And she said, God, I want joy. I don't know why you'd feel that way. You've, I've never seen you that way. She prayed, she wanted joy. Wouldn't you know, by the end of that day, she got her wonderful, awesome trial to produce joy in her. <laughs> I'll let her tell that story sometime. Ah, oh, guys, trials produce joy in us. And so we've been talking about this forever. Trish has been coming here for a long time. Trish has been hearing these words spoken. Trish plays worship music at her place. Trish is constantly praying over her place. She shows up at 2 a.m. in the morning, 3 a.m. in the morning to put on the coffee and start making the donuts. She doesn't have donuts. <laughs> Panini sandwiches. And as she's there, she's praying. And as she's praying, the Spirit of God is coming on the place. And so the mocha blend is filled with the presence of God. Just walk into the place and you'll sense it. And so this lady walks in and she's like, man, I just had this experience. I felt joy like I've never felt before in my life. You think the cafe is good? You ought to get into the sanctuary. <laughs> so I sent her a little nice email back, and I said, of course, it's, I, I said, I'm not surprised at all. I think that's what I said. I said, Trish plays worship music over there. There's a wonderful spirit always in the place. You know, you'll be blessed just by going there. Gifting by association. Praise God. Oh, it's good stuff. Good stuff. All right. So there are some of the benefits that we are going to receive by being part of a community of believers. I want to share a couple of scriptures that we're really familiar with. When we talk about church, most of us would quote these scriptures. And so I want to talk about these scriptures. I want to point out some of these benefits that are actually going to be listed in the text that we're going to read from the Bible. And then uh, we're going to wrap things up. Hebrews 10 says this, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest of holies by Jesus, by a new and a living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. And so here we see, he's about to talk about getting together as a church, but here we say, he's saying, let us consider one another, let's think about one another so that we can stir up love and good works so that we can encourage one another and we can help one another. Those are two of the things that we had listed. Not forsaking the assembling together of ourselves, as is the habit of some, but exhorting one another, and here we go with encouragement again, exhorting one another in so much more as we see the day approaching. And so how do we make opportunity for helping one another? How do we make opportunity for encouraging one another by coming to church, by showing up on a Sunday morning. 
consider one another. We need to love one another. We need to love one another. Jesus came and he set this example. He said, love one another as I have loved you. And so the best place for us to work this out is right here in the church, in the family of God. Listen, I can say this. If you're in the church, offenses are sure to come. If you're living life, offenses are sure to come. The church is a family. We are a family of God. We laugh when one another laughs. We cry when one another cries. We feel the joy. We feel the pain one for another. If you've been part of a family, who's here is not part of a family? We're all part of a family. And so if you've been part of a family, you know that those who love you the most can wound you the best. We used to say to our kids all the time, right? Your brothers and sisters really know how to push your buttons, right? Family time is family is training time for us to be able to learn how to push one another's buttons. <laughs> if I wanted to, I could really push the buttons on my wife and on my kids and really agitate them. It's not something I, I do regularly, maybe once in a while. But this is family, and so we're going to offend one another. We're going to wound one another. But the Bible says faithful are the wounds of a friend. And so sometimes we need to be wounded. Sometimes we need, sometimes we need to be, you know, sometimes somebody needs to take us and just slap us upside the head and say, hey, what are you doing? You're being stupid. Don't be stupid. Sometimes we need that brother or sister in Christ to just come and be like, hey, come on. That's not right. And we might be hurt at that. Or, as is the case with family many times, we could offend one another and not even know that we're offending somebody. I went to get a cup of coffee. It was delicious. And I sat on the back deck and drank it. And somebody in the household was offended because I took the last cup of coffee and I didn't leave any for them. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh. I say all this to say that if you're in the church or if you've ever been in the church and you've ever been hurt in the church, welcome to the family of God. <laughs> welcome. Somebody loves you. <laughs> the Bible tells us that love is stronger than death. And the reason why death is so painful, watch this, the reason why death is so painful is because love lasts beyond death. And when one of our loved ones dies, we still love them. And the love doesn't go away. We don't stop loving them just because they're not here anymore. But what happens is we can't love them the way that we used to because they're not here with us anymore. And so there's pain. And we suffer pain because love still exists. We still love even though they're not here. Love is stronger than death. Offenses are sure to come. You're going to get wounded. You're going to need to have forgiveness. You're going to need that. Forgiveness doesn't necessarily heal the wound. We may need to go to God to get our wound healed. But we need to get healed so that we can be better. Because God doesn't want us to stay wounded. It's never God's, it's never God's 
uh, will for you to stay wounded. Hurt people hurt people. And we need to get over being hurt. We need to get fixed from our wounds. You know, somebody jokingly said, um, you know, God puts two people together in marriage to, you know, aggravate them or so that they can work out uh, all of their salvation for the rest of their lives. I don't agree with that, although there's times where, you know, marriage can be trying. Family is the same way. God put us all together, whether it's individual family or corporate family, the family of God. God put us all together, and there's different giftings, and there's different personalities, and there's different uh, tendencies, and, you know, I grew up one way, and you grew up another way, and I think one thing, and you think another thing. And so, how are offenses, how in the world can we not offend one another? I communicate one way, and you communicate a different way. How can we not offend one another? Offenses are sure to come. They're absolutely going to positively. Listen, I guarantee, I guarantee, by the end of the day today, even in the very message that I'm speaking to you right now, maybe I'm offending you. Offenses are sure to come. The Bible also says, woe to him who brings an offense. I, nothing I say today, nothing I say is ever meant to bring an offense. I don't ever want to offend somebody. I'll speak the word of God, and if you're offended, then you're offended at God. It's always safe to speak the word of God. <laughs> I mean, you might be offended anyways, and you might be offended at me for speaking the word of God, but I get off the hook because I'm simply saying what he said. I'm not held accountable for it. The woe doesn't come to me. You may still be mad at me, but the woe doesn't come to me. I don't ever want to offend anybody, and I never intentionally, I mean, very rarely, few times ever, I don't offend people. I don't go out of my way to offend people. I don't do that. So please, no, I'm not here to offend. Where, what, how did we get down this rabbit trail? That was good. You guys needed to hear that. Offenses are sure to come. Family. We're part of the family of God. And so this is just part of the growing process. We were designed by God to be together. We were designed by God to be together. This is why... Uh, suicide rates went up during the quarantine. This is why um, so, much, so many bad things happened to so many people during the quarantine, because we're meant to be together. Depression has gone up. Why? Because we're meant to be together, and when we're not together, we suffer. People tell me, people say they want to be by themselves, but that only lasts for a little while, and then they're looking for somebody to be with. That's a whole message for another day. Let's read in Acts. It says, Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued, church growth, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. And so here we go, here we see. There's safety in theology when you're in the church. They continued in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship. Let me say this about fellowship fellowship is not socializing. Many of us say, we should fellowship more, but really what you're saying is, I want to socialize more. So don't confuse the two. They're not the same. Fellowship is when we get together and we start to talk about spiritual matters. We talk about spiritual matters. Fellowship is when we're like, hey, did you see the game last night? Did you see, did you, what's, just, wasn't yesterday just a beautiful day? Wasn't the weather beautiful? 
How's, how's your dog? <laughs> we can talk about everything and never come to a place where we're actually engaging in a spiritual conversation. We may start, how's your job? How's work? Now, we, we can begin to enter into spiritual conversations with some questions. How's your wife and kids? How's everybody? I'm asking how everybody is. There's an open door of opportunity for someone to share about how things are in the spiritual, right? Here's, here's probably the best opener ever. Is it well with your soul? <laughs> is it well with your soul? Oh, that, that question right there, that question cuts right to the heart of things, doesn't it? Well, I'm not asking how your week was. I'm not asking how, how uh, the natural things went, right? The car ran fine on the way to work this week. My job was fine this week. You know, nobody, nobody gave me any grief at work this week. Nine to five, and I'm in and out, and blah, 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 and everything was good. The kids were good. The wife was good. But I'm, uh, in my soul, just not good. Is it well with your soul? Cuts right to the heart of the matter. Fellowship is about spiritual matters. Talk about spiritual matters when we get together. They continued in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Prayer. Listen, they prayed together. We should always desire to pray together. One of the powerful things that we can do as a church is pray together. We have corporate prayer once a month. Pray together. Pray together. Come on out and let's pray together. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. So here it is. The power of God's being poured out. The presence of God is being poured out in a new way. People are getting benefits that they haven't worked for. Miracle signs and wonders are being done through the apostles. People are being healed, delivered, set free. All kinds of things are going on. Nobody's worked for this. They just showed up. Hey, I'm going to join the church. Woo! Miracle signs and wonders done through the apostles. Praise God. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as any had need. Here we see the, the, the uh, increase of resources. So continuing daily in the temple. So continuing daily with one accord, that is with one mind and heart, in the temple. So continuing with unity in the church. So daily, they went to church. Every day, they went to church. I'm not raising the standard. We're not going to have morning meetings. We're not doing that. Not yet. Maybe at some point. Come on, guys. I'm joking. And they broke bread from house to house. So they met daily in the church, and they met daily at home. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Favor with all the people. Come on, I'll take it. I'll take it. It's good news. God wants to do something awesome. He's going to give us favor with all of the people. Matthew 16, 18. Jesus said, And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus wants to build his church. God wants to build his church. God wants to build the community of believers. What is the church? The church is us. The church is us. 
It's this community of believers. The church is not the building. Don't think of the church as the building. The church is us as a community of believers. It's us. It's this relationship that we all have with one another. This is the church. If we're kicked out of here and we go to another building, we're still the same church. If, we're, if we can't meet together and we have to meet in homes, we're still the church. We're still the church. We're still this relational body of believers. We're still this community of believers. God wants to build his church. Jesus wants to build his church. The expression that Jesus left for his glory to continue in the earth until he returns is the church. It's us. And it's not necessarily us individually, although some of us might get out in front a little bit at times more than others. But then what happens is we go back and we're like, hey, listen, this is how you do it, man. This is how we pray. Watch. And we pray and we share. Linda leads in prayer. Why? Because she's been experienced in it. She knows how to get down, get with the Lord, and get what she's asking for. And she can teach you how to do that. And this is where the church is glorified. This is where discipleship happens. And this is where the glory of God blows up. Because we're a community of believers and we're like, Pastor Tom, how do I do that? Pastor Matt, how do I do that? You do it like this. How do I meditate on the Word? This is how you meditate on the Word. How do I do this? How do I do that? We share with one another, and we, we get together, and we fight the battle together, and we overcome together, and the victory is ours together. Psalm 133, how good and pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. It is like the dew on Mount Hermon. It is like the oil poured out upon Aaron, poured out upon his robe, dripping down his beard. It is there that God commanded the blessing, life forevermore. When brethren dwell together in unity, when the church comes together in unity, all of these blessings are poured out and God has to bless us. It says, when brethren dwell together in unity, God commands the blessing. God commands it. When we're together in unity, when we're together in the church, when we're together as one, God commands it. If God were to say that he wanted something to happen, God doesn't force himself. But, When brethren dwell together in unity, God will command his blessing. He'll bring it, and it can't be stopped. It's not about a force. It's not about a forcing issue. It's about he's going to bring it, and it can't be stopped. The gates of hell will not prevail. When there's unity, God will pour out a blessing, and hell itself couldn't stop it. All the magicians and soothsayers and witches in the world couldn't stop it. When, God, when there's unity, God can't be stopped. The blessing of God can't be stopped. It can't be stopped. Nothing will stop it. It's awesome. We should always want, we should always, as Ephesians says, we should endeavor to keep the unity we should endeavor to, we should always be looking to keep unity. And so how do we do that? I'm, how do we do that? Matthew 18, if someone offends you, go to them. Because we have to keep offenses out of the way if we're going to be together in unity. It's good stuff. Listen, if you're here today 
and you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life. Maybe you've been to church before, but you've never made Jesus Lord and Savior of your life. I want to invite you to do that today. It's when we enter into this relationship with Jesus that we will want to become part of the church. It's when we enter into this relationship with Jesus that the church becomes real to us, it becomes of great benefit to us. And when we really will, at that point, we're really going to want to start to go to church because that's where we're going to experience God the most many times. And so if you're here today, whether you're in the building or you're watching online, you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, you'd like to do that today, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Pray and say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I ask that you would forgive me of my sins and come and live inside my heart. God, I pray that you would help me to live for you all of the days of my life. I thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.